Wanna go ahead and read the thing? All right, here we go. On a public walking trail in Boone County, Iowa, the ruins of the Moingona Railway Bridge can be seen looking east across the Des Moines River. It's not a particularly impressive sight, especially compared with the enormous railway viaducts nearby, two of the tallest and longest bridges in the world. This one, by comparison, must have been low, since its concrete piers rise only a few meters above the surface of the water. The abutments on either side are pockmarked and crumbling. The bridge itself is long gone, taken away to be scrapped or reused, or perhaps fallen, piece by rusty piece, into the river itself. No one is quite sure. The concrete and stone supports are all that remains now of what must have been a modest span, identical to hundreds of other American railway bridges. It's difficult to imagine, standing here on the walking trail, what the bridge must have been like when it was still here, how tall, how strong, the exact design. Given these ambiguous remains, railroad fans might see the remnants of an ordinary single-track railroad trestle bridge. An engineer would shake their head over the height of the footing versus the volume of the river, or a local historian could point out how this bridge once connected to tracks that led east and west, carrying long trains full of coal and passengers. But imagination fails when called to imagine crossing that long-lost bridge at night during a howling thunderstorm, with the wind shrieking at the girders and the river tugging angrily at the piers with absolutely nothing protecting you from falling through the widely spaced wooden trestles to the water below. And with the certainty that if you didn't make it across, 200 people were going to die in the next few moments. With only the remains of a bridge to see today, our imaginations may fail. But the story is true. On this episode of Relative Disasters, the story of Kate Shelley. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where my brother and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events and their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm Ella, Bridge Tallness Specialist for Relative Disasters Engineering. And I'm her brother Greg, Early Warning Advisor for Relative Disasters Waterway Authority. Thanks so much for that story. Nice job. It's what I'm here for. Uh, so I wanted to start out with our main sources. Most of the information that we're going to talk about today came from the website Kate Shelley, Heroine of the High Bridge, uh, where you can find all kinds of interesting Kate Shelley tidbits. Okay. So this is a train disaster, Greg. Ooh. And it's also a truly heroic rescue effort. I'm completely here for it. Uh, so the heroine of our story is born Catherine Carroll Shelley in December 1863 in Ireland. Okay. Now there's a lot of debate about this because her grave marker has a completely different birth date, September of 1865. Huh. Uh, so we're already starting off with some ambiguity. Sure. <laughs> as far as I could tell, 1863 is the correct date. So we're just going to go with that. Sounds good. Kate is an older sister. Ah, uh, I see. So yeah, automatically so she's, she's the naturally, hero. <laughs> naturally a genius <laughs> heroine yep. who can do no yeah, wrong. absolutely. Uh, like all older, older yes, sisters. Yes, absolutely. She is the oldest child of Margaret and Michael Shelley, who immigrate to the Midwestern United States when little Kate is a toddler. Okay. They go on to buy land near Moingona, Iowa, okay. 
and have four more children. Well, that's what you did back in the day. Well, they needed four kids. They needed a lot of kids because they're trying to farm. Yeah. Now, the Shelley farm is not particularly prosperous, and Michael eventually has to take a job on the railroad, and he becomes the track section foreman on the Chicago and Northwestern Railway to support the family in addition to the farm. Okay. Now, this is kind of a natural choice because the Shelley house is located right by the railroad tracks. Sweet. Walk to work in the morning. Well, in theory, theory. (laughs) um, but they're also kind of in the middle of nowhere, so... So their house is on a little stream called Honey Creek, which feeds into the Des Moines River. Okay. Kate and her siblings grow up with trains going by like clockwork in their backyard, and they probably know more about tracks and bridges and railway work because of their dad's job. Sure. So because they're near tracks and water, they're also close by three railway bridges. Okay. So they've got two crossing Honey Creek by their house. Yep. Those are smaller bridges. And a bigger one, which is just called the Moingona Bridge, and that's over the Des Moines River itself. Okay. And these bridges are only intended to be used by trains, and they are extremely dangerous for people to try and cross. Sure. To discourage people from trying to cross the Des Moines River using the railway bridge, the Chicago and Northwestern Railway Company designs the bridge to discourage pedestrian traffic, like to the point where you almost can't cross it on foot. Okay. So for the full length of the bridge, there are no railings and there's nothing to walk on. You would just have to jump from tie to tie for the full length of the bridge, which is 700 feet long. Yeah, that's terrifying. There's basically just nothing to catch you if you miss any of those jumps. Yeah. You just fall like 50 feet right into the river. Yeah, that's that would, yeah. That would definitely discourage me from crossing it. I mean, you and me both, but <laughs> we're scared of cats. <laughs> And the Des Moines at this point is a dangerous river. It's wide and it's prone to seasonal flooding. So it's got some sneaky currents. It can also be really rapid and deep at certain times of the year. Yeah. Okay. The Des Moines is so dangerous, in fact, that the Shelleys lose their youngest child, James, to drowning when he's swimming in the river one day. Oh, man. I know. He's 10 or 11 years old. Mm. Really, really sad. When they lose James in 1879, the Shelley family is already struggling with the death of Michael, Mr. Shelley, who had passed away a few months before of tuberculosis. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. And on top of that, Margaret, Mrs. Shelley, is dealing with increasingly fragile health. Okay. So as the oldest, Kate steps up and just takes on everything her parents would have been doing. Sure. She's cooking and cleaning, and she takes care of the younger kids, but she also works on the farm, so she's taking on all the heavy jobs that her father would have done, the plowing and the harvesting and so forth. Okay. Uh, She, of course, has to drop out of school to do this. I think fairly early in her teens. Teenage Kate is strong. She's practical. She's an extremely hard worker. Even so, the family is just scraping by. Sure. On the evening of July 6th, 1881, when Kate is 17 years old... A storm rolls over the Des Moines River Valley. Now, thunderstorms and heavy rain are pretty common at that time of year, but this one drops an enormous amount of water in a very short time. Okay, how much? Uh, you know, it's a... I could not find okay. any estimates, but, but it was a lot. A lot. Apparently, okay. it just like parked itself over this part of the River Valley and just dumped water down for oh an hour, okay. hours, actually. Okay. Um, So that, of course, causes a flash flood along a honey creek, which runs behind the family house. Yep. Now, Kate has her hands full all day dealing with the rising water, the animals, and the house. 
But at 11 o'clock, after she's already in her nightgown and probably already in bed, something occurs outside that's loud enough to be heard over the storm. It's a crash followed by an enormous hissing sound. Oh, okay. It's bad news. Yeah. Being the daughter of a railway worker and a child who grew up around trains, Kate immediately knows what must have happened. Yeah. She jumps out of bed and grabs a lantern to go look. Okay. Now, the Shelley house is right on a bend of Honey Creek, and they have two of these small bridges on either side of the house. These are not the high, strong bridges, like the one going over the Des Moines. These are short, and they're designed to cross what's usually like a stream or a brook. Right. Uh, Tonight, however, those bridges are struggling. Yeah. So the railway company knows there has been a lot of rain, but they don't know if the bridges are holding. Okay. So... Before they send the midnight passenger express train through the valley, they send a pusher locomotive out from Moingona to check the track. Sure. So the noise that Kate heard was the sound of that steam locomotive falling through the washed out Honey Creek Bridge and into the floodwater. Oh, God. Okay. So she heard the the pusher locomotive going into the water. Right. Okay. Uh, And it's still storming, by the way. So Kate runs down to the creek and finds the washed out bridge, and she's able to spot two survivors of the crash. Now they're hanging onto branches in the middle of what is now a very swollen and angry river. Yeah. Kate has nothing to reach them with, and even if she could throw them a rope, she's not big enough to haul two grown men to safety. Yeah, that makes sense. She just can't physically. Plus, the minutes are ticking by. And in addition to helping these guys out of the river, she knows that railroad schedule. And all she can think about is the Midnight Express is due to come zooming through the valley in a matter of minutes. Oh, boy. And she's yeah. she's 17 at this time? She's either 15 or 17. Good great. Oh, um, right. Depending on which birthday is real. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Kate shouts to the survivors that she's going to get help. And she begins to run towards the closest source of help. Remember, this family is living in the middle of nowhere. Right. And the closest place she can ask for help is the train station in Moingona, which is about three miles away. Okay. Now, it's not a big deal for a healthy teenager to run three miles. Sure. But these are not... Ideal circumstances? Ideal circumstances, (laughs) exactly. For one thing, it's still storming. Yeah. So we've got thunder, lightning, rain coming down in sheets, um, high wind. And she's in like a nightgown and slippers. Oh, yeah. She's wearing a nightgown, a thin coat, and a pair of boots. What What does our heroine do next? So the big obstacle to this little three-mile jaunt is that 700 feet of it is crossing this very pedestrian, unfriendly bridge over oh the Des Moines River. Oh, my God. River. That's right. Okay. That was, so that wasn't the bridge that washed out? No. The bridge that washed out was the bridge behind their house, okay. one of the Honey Creek bridges. So, so actually, the pusher locomotive made it across the Moingona Bridge. Okay. So Kate knows that that bridge is still intact. Okay. And it fell into the Honey Creek behind her house. Wow. So by the time she reaches the bridge, just to make it a little more challenging, sure. Kate's lantern has blown out. So you gotta you got to do it in the dark. That's fine. That's absolutely extra right? degree of challenge. No, I don't know if you've ever tried to walk along the ties of a railroad track. I have, actually. I've had some The ties experience. are the wooden supports under each track. Yeah. Um, if you were not raised by a real fan who never stopped talking <laughs> about trains. Uh, they're made out of wood. They are nine inches wide, and there's a 20-inch gap between each tie. Yeah. It's actually 19.5 inches. I just rounded up a little bit. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Well, yeah, we got to get that right, or you're going to get spoken to very firmly. I don't want to <laughs> cause a fight at Thanksgiving. <laughs> 
So if you're on the ground and you're walking along the railroad ties, you can jump from one to another, no problem. Sure. However, that tie width means that your whole foot isn't going to fit on one tie. No. Yeah. So I actually measured my feet for this. Okay. I have average size feet for a lady and my shoes are 10 inches long. So if I'm walking on ties, either my toes or my heel is dangling over, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but it does kind of make it difficult to balance. In the rain, in the dark, in the middle of a storm, 50 feet over a terrifying river. (laughs) Without any of that additional. Right. Right. Exactly. It's hard enough to do under good conditions. Right. And I also want to point out that 20-inch gap isn't bad, except that it's incredibly easy to trip if sure. you're doing it for long enough. If you can imagine walking along railroad ties, yep. no big deal. Yeah. Try to picture doing it for a quarter mile in the dark in a thunderstorm with wind pulling at you over a river that will probably kill you if you make a single misstep. If you miss even one of those steps, yeah. you're going in. Oh, yeah. Or if your foot slips just a little because they're slick with rain, you're going in. There's nothing to hang on to. No. It's absolutely terrifying. Oh, my God. However, there is no other bridge. Right. So Kate is stuck. No, she's not. (laughs) Not our hero. Well, she comes up with a solution. Okay. So the safest thing she can do is to cross the bridge on her hands and knees. Sure. That makes sense. And she does this. That wood is really rough. She ends up with huge splinters in both hands and knees. Sure. Um, But by a miracle, she does make it across, which to me is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like this is something I wouldn't attempt to try in in the best of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So back on land with time running out, she runs the last two miles to the station in Moingono, where she tells the station master that the bridge is out and she tells him about the crash. Okay. And he believes her, right? Yeah. So the people working at the station might have wondered about this teenage girl staggering in at a quarter to midnight. You know, she's she has to look like a mess. She's completely uh, well, drenched. She's sure. banged up on the hands and knees. And she she's still in her pajamas. Yeah. You know? But these guys know Kate. They're her father's colleagues Good. and friends. And they know that she's not the kind of person to make things up or exaggerate. Right. So they believe her immediately. They wire the passenger express, okay. which stopped at Scranton. Okay. And they get some rope and head back to the Shelley land where they're able to rescue the two survivors of the pusher locomotive crash. So they, they were able to get them out of the water. Yes. Wow. But tragically, that's only half the crew. Yeah. After the floodwater goes down, searchers locate the body of a third member of the crew, um, but the fourth is never found. Sure. It's this massive flood. Oh, yeah. So in addition to the water, it's moving topsoil yep. and whatever debris. Yeah. Everybody always thinks of flood as water, but... It's it's water and mud and rocks. And so much more. So much more. Very dangerous. Uh, so this is a great story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this agreed. is a pretty amazing story. <laughs> you know, we're talking about it, I don't know, 140 years later? Yeah. 150 years later? This is still like an amazing, incredible thing for uh, yeah. a human being to do. Uh, the newspapers of the day absolutely pounce on it. Of course. This is this is what sensationalism journalism was made for. Oh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> well, they didn't have enough celebrity scandals quotes. back then, so they needed to... They needed to oh, they had celebrity up. scandals, well, but this know, is but much more yeah. of a riveting story. Sure. So I'm just, you know, there's a huge emphasis in the contemporary reporting on Kate's youth. 
And I think right. that's where the the birth date, the other birth date comes from. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Kate is certainly very, very young when this happens. To me, it doesn't make much of a difference if she's 15 or 17. Yeah. Um, but the newspapers report it as a 15-year-old girl. Okay. Uh, this is some of the most incredible prose I have ever read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a quote. How, how purple are we about to get here? It's so purple. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Hit me. Here's a quote from an article in the Iowa State Press in Iowa City. Alrighty. Quote, in making this perilous journey, it was necessary for her to cross the Des Moines River about 500 feet in length. <laughs> Just as she tremblingly put her foot on this structure, the wind, rain, thunder, and lightning were so appalling that she nearly lost her balance. And in the endeavor to save herself, her sole companion, the old lantern, went out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Deprived of her light, she could not see a foot ahead of her, save when dazzling flashes of lightning revealed the grim outlines of the bridge and the seething waters beneath. Knowing that she had no time to lose, the brave girl threw away the useless lamp and dropping on her hands and knees, crawled from tie to tie across the high trestle. Having gained the ground again, she ran a short distance remaining to the station, told her story in breathless haste, and then fell unconscious. Oh. She was, however, in time to save the express train with the scores of lives it carried. End quote. Well, I mean, that's, that's just a period-appropriate romance novel prologue right there. Right? I would read any additional reporting about this. <laughs> I want, yeah, I want that reporter's byline and I want it like right now so I can keep Give reading. Give me the sequel. Yes. Wow. I do have to burst your bubble oh, a little. Oh yes, please do. And uh, tell you that the midnight express train with 200 passengers aboard was never in any danger. Uh -huh. So they had stopped at Scranton waiting for the old clear from the pusher locomotive crew before they started across the Des Moines River Valley. Okay. Um, you know, obviously... This is a big thunderstorm, and they know it's going to cause floods. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, basically, they weren't going anywhere until they knew for sure the bridges were solid. Okay. Okay. But Kate didn't know that. Of course. Yeah. So in my mind, that doesn't lessen her bravery Not at all. In, in doing no, this. No, absolutely. She knew for sure that there was an express train coming through at midnight yeah. full of passengers, and she knew the bridge was out. So when the newspaper is reporting about her incredible bravery, they're not wrong. Sure. This is an incredibly brave thing for anyone to yeah. do. And I mean, she could have, as as many 15 or 17-year-old girls do, just rolled over and gone back to sleep. You know what? <laughs> as many people would have. I mean, forget her age. A lot of people would not have bothered. They've been like, eh, if they send a pusher locomotive, they're probably fine. So I think, you know, we talk about the bystander effect Yeah, exactly. Sometimes. Exactly. She chose to get involved to help people. Right. She knew for sure this train was coming. She knew for sure nobody else was around to help. She knew she had to get help. And she chose to do this incredibly, you know, incredibly dangerous yeah. thing. Especially after so much loss in the family already. I mean, that thought had to be in the back right. of her mind. Right. I mean, the, you read about how they were just like just scraping by for yeah. years. Yeah. Subsistence farming in that area at that time was not an easy life. Right. So it's it's just incredible. It is. To me. It's amazing. So Kate becomes somewhat of a celebrity at this point, uh, which she completely deserves. Yes, absolutely. Let's throw her a parade. She receives a gold medal for bravery from the state of Iowa. <laughs> wow. 
And more practically, the railway gives her family a gift of cash and household supplies. I think they give them like a sack of flour and some hay. There are also newspaper articles about the incident for weeks. And those are, you know, distributed across the whole country, probably the whole continent. Yeah. Uh, But I also want to point out the poet John Bradshaw Kay writes a poem called Our Kate, which is truly... uh, (laughs) If you think the purple prose in the newspapers was bad, this is a new level. <laughs> Please tell you me. You want to hear some? Yes. Yes. I want to hear <laughs> I'm some. I'm going to so read you the right beginning. Now. Okay. I wanted to read the whole thing because it's not super long, but uh, you get the flavor in the beginning. Okay. 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 Quote, our Kate, sound her unsought fame. Kate Shelley, tis a heroine's name. It shall live. Who can give? One blossom for her laurel crown. One echo to her fair renown. Be it done. Our state upon a disc of gold in honor hath her name enscrolled. Twas well won. End quote. Um, the full poem is in the public domain, so yeah. you can read it okay. Okay. if you want to. Can we please put it in the show notes so everyone can, can read it? Absolutely, we can. Excellent. I will do that. She also receives a lot of mail, including proposals of marriage. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to marry the girl who... <laughs> can go out and do a railway bridge in the middle of the night. I would never worry about anything ever again right? if I had someone like that as a partner. And not only that, but <laughs> but dudes, you've got a lot to live up to, right? Like you'd better be you'd better be awesome as well. I don't I don't know that people who propose by mail are really thinking about what they bring to the table, but Yeah, I get that impression. <laughs> uh, so a lot of the correspondence actually are from people who want to be her pen pals. Oh, cool. I thought this okay. was really interesting. Um, I'm just going to quote you a letter from a girl her own age who's writing from Ohio. Okay. Quote, dear madam, it is with timidity that I request of you the pleasure and honor of your correspondence. Nice. I enjoy the society of a lady far more than that of a gentleman and deeming you to be a lady of more than ordinary endowments. I should feel proud to consider you as one of my lady friends. End quote. Okay, that is simultaneously the most polite mm-hmm. and just most excellent opening. Please, please tell me, is there any follow up on this? Like, there is not. They did not become pen pals. Oh, it's too bad. Yeah. So, despite all this fame, yeah. um, you know, the basics of Kate's life never change. Sure. She continues to live at home with her mother and take care of her siblings. Yeah. There are a lot of cash gifts over the years, but poverty remains a constant threat. Sure. And some years they just scraped by. So when Kate wasn't busy with the farm, she worked odd jobs throughout her 20s and early 30s. Uh, She tried college. She taught for a little while. And just year to year, um, you know, the Shelleys are just doing their best. Well, this is in the days before you could go on speaking tours, so... I don't know that Kate would have wanted to go on speaking tours. <laughs> she doesn't seem like the kind of person who would have wanted to tell this story a thousand times. So in 1901, the Chicago and Western replaced the Moingona Bridge with the Boone Viaduct. Ooh. It's an iron bridge. It's much more impressive than the old one. And it's very, very tall. It's 185 feet above the usual water level of the Des Moines River. Okay. And it's nearly a mile long, so it crosses basically the whole valley. Sure, okay. Um, it's never gonna. I say that. Um, uh, it's yeah, it's so tall careful. and strong. <laughs> <laughs> it's so tall and strong that 
the Des Moines can flood as much as it wants without really harming the bridge. And it is thoroughly inspected on a regular basis, yes? I assume so. One would assume. Because as we all know, infrastructure, it's not, you know, it's not glamorous, but it is very important. <laughs> you know, I do want to point out that the Moingona Bridge was fine during that giant sure, flood. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The old one. Um, but the new one is, of course, much more impressive. As soon as it's built, it's one of the highest and longest bridges in the world. Excellent. Of course, it is immediately nicknamed the Kate Shelley High Bridge. Awesome. I mean, it's it's nicknamed to the point where if you're from that area, yeah. you know it as the Kate Shelley High Bridge. Good. You know what? Fair. Fair. I'm, right? I'm, yeah, that's totally <laughs> fine. Kate Shelley deserves her own bridge. Kate Shelley gets her own bridge, man. <laughs> Uh, in 1903, two years after the new bridge opened, Kate Shelley became the station agent at the Moingona Depot. Nice. So if you pass through the Moingona Depot, um, she would sell you your ticket. Nice. And that is the position she holds until 1910 okay. when she started to become sick from kidney disease. Oh. And yeah, it's really sad. She died at home in 1912 at the age of 46. Well, that's... a Bit of uh, letting the air out of the balloon there. This story is all about the air coming out of the balloon. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, I mean... It's a very quiet story. It is a very quiet story, but you know what? I really, really... Uh, there's something about it that really grabs me. I love the fact that this was just a kid mm -hmm. who saw something really bad coming and decided that she was going to be the one to avert it. And the fact that it wasn't going to happen because of the you know, the pusher locomotive doesn't mm -hmm. downplay the fact that she still made that decision. It was, it was selfless. It was heroic. And I, I feel like there should be more bridges named after her. She absolutely saved the lives of the two men who were stuck in the river yeah. after the crash. Yeah, yeah. They would not have gotten out of there without her help. No. Uh, I do also want to tell you that the Boone Viaduct, that tall iron bridge, yep. lasted for over a hundred years. So it um, came down in the early 2000s? Yeah, it didn't collapse. Right, right, it, they just um, disassembled it. It was rebuilt, okay. yeah. Okay. They didn't disassemble it. It's still there, actually. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but the bridge was replaced with a concrete and steel version uh, that opened up in 2009. And is that also known as the Kate Shelley Bridge? Yes. Okay. So the Union Pacific Railway, the new owners, officially named it the Kate Shelley Bridge. Nice. So it's no longer nicknamed. And it is, I think... The only railway bridge in the U.S. to be named after a woman. Very cool. Yeah. So I was talking to our dad about it, and he told me that American railway bridges are rarely even named after people. Yeah. They're almost always named after places, or they're given numbers. So the fact that the railway officially named it the Kate Shelley Bridge is pretty impressive. That is very cool. And that is the amazing story of the heroism of Kate Shelley. Well. I, I'm I'm blown away. I knew nothing about this story. Um, I know that, uh, you know, longtime listener, our dad, has been after <laughs> us to uh, to do this story for a while. And so I deliberately didn't learn anything about it because I thought this was going to be another, you know, like bridge collapse or train crash. And instead, it's it's teenage girl 
commits massive act of heroism. Uh, I'm just going to stop you right there. It's older sister. Uh, yes. All right. I apologize. Nope. That's on me. Completes triathlon of terror. Yes. Older sister completes triathlon of terror, saving mm-hmm. many lives, uh, as mm-hmm. older sisters uh, will do. Yes. For, for they are blameless and holy creatures. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just embarrassing me. Go on. Anyway. No, that's awesome. Wow, she's she's incredible. I I wish really I wish I'd known this story earlier because I feel like all too often, you know, like we don't talk a lot about the disasters averted. You know? Right. Because usually there's not much to talk about, but in this case, that is amazing. It's an incredible story. Uh speaking of incredible stories, sometimes the incredible stories that we tell Need a little follow up. Oh, I see. Are we are we going to do a corrections corner? <laughs> that's my segue. Okay, no, it's a good. We're segue. actually going to do a corrections collection because Co- we have a couple to go. Yes, over. we do. We do. Can I go first with mine? Absolutely. Okay. You can. So, uh, longtime listener, our father uh, has pointed out hi, to me, hi dad, that um, in our Bessie Coleman and the Barnstormers story, mm-hmm. I had stated that the women daredevil pilots were being daredevils at a time when they were not allowed to vote. That was Mm. partially incorrect. So I need to (gasps) amend that while they started flying before uh, the 1920 slash 1922 19th amendment that we talked about in our 19th amendment episode that you just talked about. Seriously should have gotten that right. Yeah. No, there's there's (laughs) no excuse for this. Uh, Well, they started flying as early as 1915, 1916. They were still Mm -hmm. flying through the 1920s, which was the main part of the Barnstormer era. So Mm -hmm. I absolutely biffed that one and very good catch. Uh, That's, yeah, so that's it. Uh, So I also wanted to point out, this is, these last two corrections are all my fault okay. um, because I do occasionally make mistakes just to, just to make you feel better no, about, I, I appreciate that about yours. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, and it's, and it's, it's a little obvious, but I do thank you for putting in the work. No worries. No worries. <laughs> um, so we got a comment on Instagram from a very nice geologist who told us that we are mispronouncing <laughs> pomace. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Because on our first volcano episode, we had this whole thing where we were like, "It's pumice, yeah, is right? It pumice, or it's pumice? pumice. It's pumice. It's pumice. It is pumice. Um, it's definitely pumice." Now, the weird thing here, though, mm-hmm. is that everybody who says puma is technically pronouncing that wrong. Puma is supposed to have a u glide in it, so it sounds like puma. But there is no mm-hmm. way that you are ever going to say, "Oh, that giant cat called a puma." Nobody's going to do that. So No, I'm actually going to start saying puma instead of pumice. I think you should. I think you should. Actually, I think you should Volcano. say both. You should say volcanoes <laughs> spew forth huge clouds of pumas. Uh, I just don't no, think that's, that that's, sounds yep. nice. <laughs> no. Our bad. I'm sorry. Our bad. All right. What's the other one? All right. Uh, the other one has to do with a mistake I made during the Hindenburg episode. Oh, yep. 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 Uh, I really should have researched that a little more. You gotta, thoroughly. you gotta, you gotta know your fonts because we will get font corrected on this show. 
Yes. And this is a font correction. Um, did you know, as I was saying it, that it was a mistake? <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna let you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, so apparently we characterized the script on the side of the Hindenburg as quote unquote, a Nazi font. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> they did co-opt To be fair, it. the Nazis ruined that font. Right, exactly. Else, and now you can't see it without thinking, ew, Nazi font. Um, the script itself is called German Gothic. Yeah. And it does have a long and proud tradition outside of the Nazis in advertising in newspaper headlines. In, in pre-Nazis. Post-Nazis, not so much. Well, it's good to get that cleared up. Sorry about the German Gothic. Sorry about the pumice. And... Uh, <laughs> Puma, excuse me. <laughs> Puma, uh, and and uh, all apologies for absolutely whiffing on the nineteen twenty passage of the Nineteenth Amendment that we just did a whole episode on. That's and uh, apologies for anything else we might have missed. If oh, you yeah. have something you want to contribute to our next collections, yeah, no correction, collections. collection, collection. <laughs> uh, in episode thirty nine, you were supposed to say collection, correction. I mean, just asking for it at this point. Yeah, please uh, let us know. Yeah. It's good for our egos, and it, uh, it is. it's always good to clarify or update. And it's always and good for us to learn stuff. I mean, the whole reason yeah, we do this is Yeah, I mean, we want to be like, rescued from yeah. the next 10 volcano episodes where we say pumice. Yep. It won't go well <laughs> for anyone. It won't. So with all that said, although we gave you slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of the show, we do fact-check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. If you'd like to read any more about our sources, a complete bibliography uh, will be available in our show notes. If we got anything wrong, please let us know. You can do that by emailing us at relative.disasters at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to shame us publicly. And who doesn't? We like it. <laughs> <laughs> please use our instagram at relative.disasters thank you so much for joining us for this episode of relative disasters we hope you've enjoyed the story and the discussion and please join us next time for another strange dangerous and interesting event from history my brother has selected our next disaster which will close out season two yeah what's it gonna be i hope it's a big one well it is a big one uh it is also our most requested episode um, oh boy! Uh, we're ending our season on two two long time requests: Kate Shelley and the doomed and just frankly, there's a lot to talk about quest for the Northwest Passage that ended in abject uh, failure, defeat, and death for all involved. The famed Franklin Expedition. I feel like you really oversold that. Is it as bad as I think it is? It's real bad, man. Mm. I mean, it's any 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 exploration where literally no one comes back. Let me put it oh, to you. Oh no, this it's way. one of those ones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. One of the books I was reading, one of the historians basically stated they learned more trying to find the remnants of the crew than mm -hmm. than the crew ever reported. That is just not a good sign. That's not where you want to be no. as an explorer. No, if you're exploring, you want to come back and tell everybody and get medals right. and get streets named after you. Uh, right. You don't want to just disappear into the ice of the frozen Arctic. That sounds like a amazing story, though. Yeah, it's pretty neat. We'll see you here in a week. <laughs>